Chapter Six of Mount Royal, Volume Two by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six, that lip and voice are mute forever. Having pledged herself to remain with her aunt to the end, Christabel was fain to make the best of her life at Mount Royal, and in order to do this, she must needs keep on good terms with her cousin. Leonard's conduct of late had been irreproachable; he was attentive to his mother, all amiability to Christabel and almost civil to miss bridgeman he contrived to make his peace with randy and he made such a good impression upon major bree that he won the warm praises of that gentleman the cross-country rides were resumed the major always in attendance and leonard and his cousin were so often together riding driving or walking that the idea of an engagement between them became a fixture in the local mind which held that when one was off with the old love it was well to be on with the new and so the summer ripened and waned mrs tregonell's health seemed to improve in the calm happiness of a domestic life in which there was no indication of disunion she had never surrendered her hope of christabel's relenting leonard's frank and generous character his good looks his local popularity must ultimately prevail over the memory of another that other having so completely given up his chances mrs tregonell was half inclined to recognize the nobleness of that renunciation half disposed to accept it as a proof that angus hamley's heart still hankered after the actress who had been his first infatuation in either case no one could doubt that it was well for christabel to be released from such an engagement to wed angus would have been to tie herself to sickness and death to take upon herself the burden of early widowhood to put on sackcloth and ashes as a wedding garment it was winter and there were patches of snow upon the hills and sea and sky were of one chill slaty hue before leonard ventured to repeat that question which he had asked with such ill effect in the sweet summer morning between hedgerows flushed with roses but through all the changes of the waning year there had been one purpose in his mind and every act of his life had tended to one result he had sworn to himself that his cousin should be his wife whatever barriers of disinclination direct antagonism even there might be on her side must be broken down by dogged patience unyielding determination on his side he had the spirit of the hunter to whom that prey is most precious which costs the longest chase he loved his cousin more passionately to-day after keeping his feelings in check for six months than he had loved her when he had asked her to be his wife every day of delay had increased his ardour and strengthened his resolve it was new year's day christabel and miss bridgeman had been to church in the morning and had taken a long walk with leonard who contrived to waylay them at the church door after church they had come a rather late luncheon after which christabel spent an hour in her aunt's room reading to her and talking a little in a subdued way it was one of mrs tregonell's bad days a day upon which she could hardly leave her sofa and christabel came away from the invalid's room full of sadness she was sitting by the fire in the library alone in the dusk save for randy's company when her cousin came in and found her why bell what are you doing all alone in the dark he exclaimed i almost thought the room was empty ah i have been thinking she said with a sigh your thoughts could not have been over pleasant i should think by that sigh said leonard coming over to the hearth and drawing the logs together there's a cheerful blaze for you don't give way to sad thoughts on the first day of the year bell it's a bad beginning i have been thinking of your dear mother leonard my mother for she has been more to me than one mother in a hundred is to her daughter she is with us to-day a part of our lives very frail and feeble but still our own where will she be next new year's day 
ah bell that's a bad lookout for both of us answered leonard seating himself in his mother's empty chair i'm afraid she won't last out the year that begins to-day but she has seemed brighter and happier lately hasn't she yes i think she has been happier said christabel do you know why his cousin did not answer him she sat with her face bent over her dog hiding her tears on randy's sleek black head i think i know why the mother has been so tranquil in her mind lately bell said leonard with unusual earnestness and i think you know just as well as i do she has seen you and me more friendly together more cousinly and she has looked forward to the fulfilment of an old wish and dream of hers she has looked for the speedy realization of that wish bell although six months ago it seemed hopeless she wants to see the two people she loves best on earth united before she is taken away it would make the close of her life happy if she could see my happiness secure i believe you know that bell yes i know that it is so but that can never be that is a hard saying christabel half a year ago i asked you a question and you said no many a man in my position would have been too proud to run the risk of a second refusal he would have gone away in a huff and found comfort somewhere else but i knew there was only one woman in the world who could make me happy and i waited for her you must own that i have been patient have i not bell you have been very devoted to your dear mother very good to me i cannot deny that leonard christabel answered gravely she had dried her tears and lifted her head from the dog's neck and sat looking straight at the fire self-possessed and sad it seemed to her as if all possibility of happiness had gone out of her life am i to have no reward asked leonard you know with what hope i have waited you know that our marriage would make my mother happy that it would make the end of her life a festival you owe me nothing but you owe her something that is suing in forma pauperis isn't it bell but i have no pride where you are concerned you ask me to be your wife you don't even ask if i love you said christabel bitterly what if i were to say yes and then tell you afterwards that my heart still belongs to angus hamley you had better tell me that now if it is so said leonard his face darkening in the firelight then i will tell you that it is so i gave him up because i thought it my duty to give him up i believed that in honour he belonged to another woman i believe so still but i have never left off loving him that is why i have made up my mind never to marry you are wise retorted leonard such a confession as that would settle for most men but it does not settle for me bell i am too far gone if you are a fool about hamley i am a fool about you only say you will marry me and i will take my chance of all the rest i know you will be a good wife and i will be a good husband to you and i suppose in the end you will get to care for me a little one thing is certain that i can't be happy without you so i would gladly run the risk of an occasional taste of misery with you come bell is it a bargain he pleaded taking her unresisting hands say that it is dearest let me kiss the future mistress of mount royal he bent over and kissed her kissed those lips which had once been sacred to angus hamley which she had sworn in her heart should be kissed by no other man upon earth she recoiled from him with a shiver of disgust no good omen for their wedded bliss this will make our mother very happy said leonard come to her now bell and let us tell her christabel went with slow reluctant steps ashamed of the weakness which had yielded to persuasion and not to duty but when mrs tregonell heard the news from the triumphant lover 
the light of happiness that shone upon the wan face was almost an all-sufficing reward for this last sacrifice my love my love cried the widow clasping her niece to her breast you have made my last earthly days happy i have thought you cold and hard i feared that i should die before you relented but now you have made me glad and grateful i reared you for this i taught you for this i have prayed for this ever since you were a child i have prayed that my son might have a pure and perfect wife and god has granted my prayer after this came a period of such perfect content and tranquillity for the invalid that christabel forgot her own sorrows she lived in an atmosphere of gladness congratulations gifts were pouring in upon her every day her aunt petted and cherished her was never weary of praising and caressing her leonard was all submission as a lover major brie was delighted at the security which this engagement promised for the carrying on of the line of champernowns and tregonels the union of two fine estates he had looked forward to a dismal period when the widow would be laid in her grave her son a wanderer and christabel a resident at plymouth or bath while spiders wove their webs in shadowy corners of the good old manor-house and mice to all appearance self-sustaining scampered and scurried behind the panelling jessie bridgman was the only member of christabel's circle who refrained from any expression of approval did i not tell you that you must end by marrying him she exclaimed did i not say that if you stayed here the thing was inevitable continual dropping will wear away a stone the stone is a fixture and can't help being dropped upon but if you had stuck to your colours and gone to leipzig to study the piano you would have escaped the dropping as there was no possible reason for delay while there was a powerful motive for a speedy marriage in the fact of mrs tregonell's precarious health and her ardent desire to see her son and her niece united before her fading eyes closed for ever upon earth and earthly cares christabel was fain to consent to the early date which her aunt and her lover proposed and to allow all arrangements to be hurried on with that view so in the dawning of the year when proserpine's returning footsteps were only faintly indicated by pale snowdrops and early violets lurking in sheltered hedges and by the gold and purple of crocuses in all the cottage gardens christabel put on her wedding-gown and whiter than the pale ivory tint of the soft sheeny satin took her seat in the carriage beside her adopted mother to be driven down into the valley and up the hilly street where all the inhabitants of beaucastle save those who had gone on before to congregate by the lich gate were on the alert to see the bride go by mrs tregonell was paler than her niece the fine regular features blanched with that awful pallor which tells of disease but her eyes were shining with a light of gladness my darling she murmured as they drove down to the harbour bridge i have loved you all your life but never as i love you to-day my dearest you have filled my soul with content i thank god that it should be so faltered christabel if i could only see you smile dear said her aunt your expression is too sad for a bride is it auntie but marriage is a serious thing dear it means the dedication of a life to duty duty which affection will make very light i hope said mrs tregonell chilled by the cold statuesque face wrapped in its cloudy veil christabel my love tell me that you are not unhappy that this marriage is not against your inclination it is of your own free will that you give yourself to my boy yes of my own free will answered christabel firmly 
as she spoke it flashed upon her that iphigenia would have given the same answer before they led her to the altar of offended artemis there are sacrifices offered with the victim's free consent which are not the less sacrifices look dear cried her aunt as the children clustering at the schoolhouse gate dismissed from school an hour before their time waved their sturdy arms and broke into a shrill treble cheer everybody is pleased at this marriage if you are glad dearest i am content murmured her niece it was a very quiet wedding or a wedding which ranks among quiet weddings nowadays when nuptial ceremonies are for the most part splendid no train of bridesmaids in aesthetic colours duchess of devonshire hats and long mittens no page-boys staggering under gigantic baskets of flowers no fuss or fashion to make that solemn ceremony a rare show for the gaping crowd the rector of trevalga's two little girls were the only bridesmaids dressed after sir joshua in short-waisted dove-coloured frocks and pink sashes mob caps and mittens with big bunches of primroses and violets in their chubby hands mrs tregonell looked superb in a dark ruby velvet gown and long mantle of the same rich stuff bordered with darkest sable it was she who gave her niece away while major brie acted as best man for leonard there were no guests at this winter wedding mrs tregonell's frail health was a sufficient reason for the avoidance of all pomp and show and christabel had pleaded earnestly for a very quiet wedding so before that altar where she had hoped to pledge herself for life until death to angus hamley christabel gave her submissive hand to leonard tregonell while the fatal words were spoken which have changed and blighted some few lives to set against the many they have blessed and glorified still deadly pale the bride went with the bridegroom to the vestry to sign that book of fate the register mrs tregonell following on major Bree's arm miss bridgman a neat little figure in silver-grey poplin and the child bridesmaids crowding in after them until a small vestry was filled with a gracious group all glow of colour and sheen of silk and satin in the glad spring sunshine now mrs tregonell said the major cheerily when the bride and groom had signed let us have your name next if you please for i don't think there is any of us who more rejoices in this union than you do the widow took the pen and wrote her name below that of christabel with a hand that never faltered the incumbent of minster used to say afterwards that this autograph was the grandest in the register but the pen dropped suddenly from the hand that had guided it so firmly mrs tregonell looked round at the circle of faces with a strange wild look in her own she gave a faint half-stifled cry and fell upon her son's breast her arms groping about his shoulders feebly as if they would fain have wound themselves round his neck but could not encumbered by the heavy mantle leonard put his arm round her and held her firmly to his breast dear mother are you ill he asked alarmed by that strange look in the haggard face it is the end she faltered don't be sorry dear i am so happy and thus with a shivering sigh the weary heart throbbed its last dull beat the faded eyes grew dim the lips were dumb for ever the rector tried to get christabel out of the vestry before she could know what had happened but the bride was clinging to her aunt's lifeless figure half sustained in leonard's arms half resting on the chair which had been pushed forward to support her as she sank upon her son's breast vain to seek to delay the knowledge of sorrow all was known to christabel already as she bent over that marble face which was scarcely whiter than her own End of chapter six